So today's Father's Day, so happy Father's Day. Um, and we're launching a series titled uh, For the Love of Families. So we're focusing on families during the summer, and I thought this would be, since it was Father's Day, and the more I thought about other uh, topics that I wanted to deal with. So next week we'll talk about families in general and the importance of families. Um, the week after that, we'll talk about adolescence because the youth are with us on the first Sunday of the month, and so I thought I'd focus on adolescence and their place in the family. And then the week after that, moms, it's kind of back and forth all over. June 23rd, the week before VBS, we'll uh, talk about children and their place in the family, those sorts of things. But my goal today is to talk about fathers and the importance of fathers. And I think that God has established a... Um, place uh, for family and I think in August at some point I will kind of come back to um, families aren't what they used to be <laughs> and uh, so kind of looking at the modern family and what that looks like in our society today um, and my goal today is not to beat up on dads okay but to encourage us and I say us because I'm part of this group um, that sometimes gets a little stuck and I've used that title that comes from that old um, Peter, Paul, and Mary song, uh, Where Have All the Fathers Gone? And um, part of that is because we've kind of become absent in this world, um, many of us, and we've kind of taken a step back, and some of us kind of look back at our fathers, and I know my dad kind of grew up in that John Wayne, Clint Eastwood generation of you work, and you go to work, and you come home, and you do stuff around the house and the kids are for mom to take care of and that's that. You know, and I didn't spend a lot of time with my dad. If he took me golfing, it was so I could caddy for him. Um, and he said once, and then we'd start to play a little bit and he'd say, well, once you beat me, then we'll get to the harder course. But for now, and I could never beat him. He was a great golfer. Um, and here's the funny thing, as I was preparing for this sermon today, there's not a lot of instruction in the Bible to fathers on how to be a good dad. In fact, if anything, we look at the Bible and we see a lot of great examples of how not to be a dad. <laughs> a lot of the dads in the Bible are not great examples for us. Um, and in fact, this one that I picked today from uh, Ephesians chapter 6 it's kind of funny because there's only one verse for dads. Um, the passage above this is just, there's three verses about kids, and then the verses before that are about husbands and wives, and that's a pretty long passage, but there's only one verse for dads on how to be a dad. So we're going to focus on that today. Uh, and Paul begins with the phrase, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. Do not provoke your children to anger. In fact, Paul says something similar in Colossians 3.21. Fathers, do not provoke your children or they may lose heart. Uh, it's one thing, you know, when you look at a um, stallion that's unbroken, it's, you want to keep the spirit of the stallion without breaking its spirit um, you want, so that you can ride it. In the same way with a child, you don't want to break them. Um, you don't want them to lose heart, but you do need to instruct them, right? Um, 
Paul begins with, do not provoke. I prefer some of the other translations that say, do not exasperate or do not embitter your children. And certainly men, I mean, I know for me, I don't wake up in the morning and kind of try and come up with reasons and ways to exasperate my kids. That's not ever my thought, but by the end of the day, sometimes I do. Uh, and sometimes that's because I've had a bad day at work, uh, I've had a bad day at the freeway, I'm frustrated at my, well, when I was married, I was frustrated at my spouse, um, or my best, my favorite team lost a game or something. Um, in fact, they say that the abuse level goes up on, um, on uh, Super Bowl Sunday. Isn't that crazy? Um, so we take our frustrations out on our kids sometimes, and that's not good. So what are some ways that we exasperate our kids? I, you know, there's so many, you know, there's plethora. We could be here all day. We can be in therapy for um, years to discuss this. But let me offer just a few. Notting, first of all, not letting your kids be who they are. Um, letting them be themselves. First of all, letting them be kids. Do you sometimes see parents and you say, you know, your child is acting like a three-year-old. Let them, you know? Um, it was a great comfort to me when I would take my son to uh, elementary school and stand in line with him before he went into second grade and say, okay, he acts like everybody else. He's a second grader. And I was expecting him to act like a, you know, seventh grader or something with some sort of intelligence. He was a bit of a spaz. And I found out most kids at that age are spazzes. And um, that's okay. Uh, letting them be who they are. I know the plans I have for you, saith the Lord. And so many of us dads say the same thing. I have plans for you. And I am going to make you a great person. And moms can do this too. And we set goals for them that are our goals and not their goals. And so we need to kind of step back. My daughter has a great voice. You, if you were here last Sunday, you heard her sing. She has a great voice. She wants to be a scientist. I'm a voice major. I have a bachelor's in um, voice. I have a master's in choral music. And I'm kind of like, you should be a singer. And she says, I want to be a scientist. And I'm like, science? What are you talking about? The arts. Um, yeah, so uh, I have to let her be who she's going to become, who God has designed her to be, not who I want her to be. Secondly, we can treat our kids pretty harshly. We can beat them up a little bit, us dads especially. Um, and the worst is when we do it in front of other people and in front of other kids especially. My son loved baseball. He played baseball from t-ball up until he was 14. He played um, all the way through Little League. He loved it. But his last year of Little League, um, he had a new coach, and um, that guy berated his son on a regular basis. Literally had his son crying in the dugout a few times because he was so hard on him. And um, my son stopped playing baseball. Didn't want to play baseball in high school or junior high. And, I just was like, ah, I hate that when that happens. So we have to be very careful not to um, be hard on our kids, harsh on them. Third, um, we, 
We can be inconsistent, especially when we're disciplining our, our, our kids. Some days we'll say, that was wrong, go to your room, you're in timeout, you know, you're grounded for the next year. <laughs> you can say that to our daughters sometimes, that doesn't really work. But, um, and too often our discipline is based on our mood rather than on what they did. And so to make sure that our discipline is even with what they've done. And fourth of all, we can um, withhold approval or praise. So busy, we get so busy noticing the things that they do wrong that we forget to notice the things that they're doing right and doing well. Um, it was funny, when I, I coached a lot of the years, my son was in uh, Little League, and um, not the last year, though. That wasn't it. That wasn't me. Just want to be clear on that. Um, and one of the greatest advices that I got from one of the other coaches was, parents, let the coaches coach, you be the biggest cheerleader in the stands. Don't sit there and go, hold your head up, get the bat up, all that stuff. Just let the coaches do their job, and you just sit there and go, great job, and that's that. It's tough when you're a parent coach, though, but um, that's, that's that. Paul goes on from do not provoke or do not bitter or do not exasperate your children. He says, but bring them up. Bring them up. Now here's where looking at the Greek helps us to understand this phrase, bring them up a little bit better. Um, I was in my doctoral class a couple, or last week I guess, um, a week and a half ago, and I started mentioning one of the Greek words in the passage, and the other students kind of said, do you talk about Greek in your church? And I say, mm, sometimes because sometimes it really helps to understand what the meaning is. The word here is um, ektrefet, um, or ektrefet, yes. And it actually means to nourish or nurture, to bring them up, to nourish or nurture. And Paul actually uses the same phrase earlier in chapter 5 when he's talking about husbands and wives. And he says, husbands, who among you doesn't take care of your own body uh, and nurtures it? Same word, nurtures it. And so when you're looking at your kids, dads, um, how are you nurturing your children? How are you uh, giving them nourishment? Um, we nurture our own lives, we should nurture the lives of our children as well. So the idea of spiritual nourishment belongs to dad. Spiritual nourishment. Some have said we are what we eat, our children are what we feed them. So if we're feeding them football and golf and all those things and not spiritual nourishment, they will become football and golf and all of those things. Martin Lloyd-Jones says this, if parents gave as much thought to the rearing of their children as they do to animals and flowers, the situation would be very different in our society today. We spend so much time doing all these other things with our kids and not focusing on their spiritual nourishment. Then Paul goes on to discipline. He says, and fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline. Discipline. How many of you say that's a good word, bad word? Good word, right? 
Good, I'm glad you like that. Because um, sometimes we think of punishment and sometimes discipline is punishment, right? Um, listen to the author of Hebrews. Our earthly fathers disciplined us for a short time as seemed best to them, but God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in his holiness. Now listen to this. Discipline always seems painful rather than pleasant at the time. But later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained in it. Discipline, it's a good thing. When we diet, we discipline ourselves and we don't eat what we want. We say, no, I am in charge of my body and I'm only going to eat what is good for me. As my former girlfriend of mine, his, her mom had a sign on the refrigerator that said, nothing tastes as good as skinny feels. So that's discipline. Even though it may be painful at the time, it's painful not to eat that chocolate cupcake in there. But uh, it yields a peaceful fruit. Um, so the word discipline here actually is a, tied to training, just like training for athletics or something like that. Um, certainly there is a negative connotation as well because we discipline, discipline people when they have done something wrong. The idea of one being disciplined often means punishment. Uh, and yes, I believe that we have gone soft in our culture in that area. I think that disciplining is important. Uh, many young people don't understand the consequences of their actions, and we don't help them to understand that. Many feel entitled and do not feel any kind of shame, uh, and I think that that's not a good thing. I see teachers nodding their heads. So. Um, how many of you were spanked as children? <laughs> and you're all here. <laughs> You've come to church. You're not ruined. Um, listen to some of the Proverbs. Those who spare the rod hate their children. That's what the Bible says. Those who spare the rod hate their children, but those who love them are diligent to discipline them. Another proverb says, folly is bound up in the heart of a boy. <laughs> I love that. Folly is bound up in the heart of a boy. Mm. But the rod of discipline drives it away. Well, I was a boy once, and I kind of think that's kind of true. Folly was bound up in my heart. I was constantly doing things that I shouldn't have been doing. Um, there's two extremes to discipline. One is being overly disciplinary, heavy-handed, harsh, cruel even, and the other is to be um, absent and lenient and lax. So finding a balance and also it changes with the child. You know, I could give a dirty look to my daughter and she would start crying. My son, I could beat him all day. No, I never did that. Um, but he was pretty, you know, it took a lot to get him in line. Uh, and I'm pretty proud of my kids today, I gotta say. Um, so discipline is part of a father's um, trait. And then Paul goes on to say, and instruction. So while discipline shapes the character, training shapes the mind. 
Um, instruction shapes the mind. Scripture gives the job of instruction to the father. That does not mean mothers are off the hook. You instruct as well. And it doesn't mean grandparents are off the hook. Grandparents have a great um, ability to offer instruction and sometimes the instruction that a grandparent gives uh, is heard more easily by the grandchild than the instruction of a parent. Um, we either do little, uh, the danger again is, is twofold. We either do too little or none, or uh, we shove instructions down their throat and say, you have to do it this way. Um, so you have to find that balance and consider um, your child's mind like the mind of a garden. You're planting seeds, you're nurturing growth, you're helping to bring life. Um, you're allowing time for things to happen. Let me read what Alistair Begg says. I've been, uh, when I drive up to Fuller Seminary on Mondays, I listen to Alistair Begg on the radio. It's kind of fun to listen to another preacher. Um, and he's Scottish, so you gotta like that. Um, Alistair Begg says this, does a father's godly training and instruction mean he is invading the child's rights? Is that some violation of a spiritual bill of rights? Many trendy soothsayers would tell you so. From all the accumulated wisdom of non-directive counseling and client-centered therapy, they insist that it is not for the parents to inscribe a single chalk mark on the empty slate that is a young mind. Invariably, the context of this advice, of course, is none other than religious training. Presumably, parents trample on their children's God-given right to reject God when they impose their adult spiritual views. Obviously, this is patent hogwash. Just as it has always been, children need to have their minds invaded. So do adults, for that matter. We are hopelessly doomed without the godly invasion of Jesus Christ, the Word of God incarnate. Children need not indoctrination, but stimulation. We need to instill in them our own experiment for the things of God, our own excitement for the things of God. They are naturally fascinated by the issues that fascinate us. The only deprivation of freedom that we need ever worry about is a lack of information necessary for our children to make the right choices. They crave the guidelines framework and absolutes of the kingdom of God, to deprive them of those is to tell them that we do not care. Pretty powerful words. But I think, for me, it's a recognition that if I love my kids, then I'm going to do everything I can to help them experience the love of God and bring them into a relationship with Jesus Christ. Paul finishes up by saying, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Those are important words. Too easy to, for, to uh, ignore those final words. Our discipline must be of the Lord. Our instruction must be of the Lord. The Bible may not give a lot of explicit instructions to fathers, but the Bible shows the perfect example of a heavenly father. So it is for us to learn who that heavenly father is. It is for us to get excited about our relationship with that 
uh, Heavenly Father so that we might show that kind of love to our kids. We may teach our children many things. My dad taught me how to ride a bike, how to ride a horse, how to use a knife, how to shoot a gun, uh, how to golf. He taught me many, many things. But underlying all that, a father instructs the Lordship of Jesus Christ. We build the building, but Jesus Christ is the foundation. We are the teachers, but Jesus Christ is the principal. We, uh, when we exercise discipline, it should be God's discipline. When we give instructions, it should be God's instructions. Ultimately, we are but temporary parents, and we place them into the hands of our Heavenly Father. So on this Father's Day, I want to encourage our fathers to be strong, to discipline and train their children, and to help guide their children to the Heavenly Father.